RTL Original Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Lisa Burke Show. It's really wonderful as always to have you watching us on RTL Play, listening to us on Today Radio or of course on the podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. As ever, Sasha Kyo is in the studio with us and today we're going to talk about DHL with Serge Linkles and Jenna Putz and later we're hoping that into the studio will jump Mr. Science himself, Joseph Rodesh and Lea Marino. They're just at a meeting and they're going to join us a little bit later. So welcome to you all. Hi. Thank you. It's hello, Lisa. Really, really lovely to see you all. And I have to say a very special hello to my wonderful singing teacher, Mariette Lenz, who was just talking to me yesterday, saying how much she loves your news, Sasha. And uh, also... So that kind of her. I know. And... How nice. I want to meet your singing teacher. Oh, you she must. She sounds very nice. She's wonderful. <laughs> and the fact that she often listens to us while she's having a cold shower doing the Wim Hof method. Yeah. So she's uh, she's an advocate inspired. of that. Inspired. She, she was is. she inspired before or uh, after She knew your show? of it. But then she found out that there is a place here in Luxembourg that does it. So since then, she's a real advocate and she's sticking with the cold showers. So, you know, she's a very healthy person. So, Sasha, we're going to dig into the news, as always, starting with Erdogan, Turkey. Yes. So I, I these are the most important elections of the year, I have to say. Um, they're being very closely watched. Uh, obviously, Erdogan has been in power in Turkey for 20 years, you know, initially as prime minister and now as president for many years. It's gone fast, I think. I can't quite remember Turkey before him. Well, it, I, that, I think it's, it feels like a long time because yeah. I don't remember really yeah. what it was like before. And um, But the, the reason this this um, election is particularly crucial is he's actually come in um, against a, a united opposition for the first time and also, you know, in big trouble economically and also on the government's treating of the earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that generally a lot of Turks feel that they really didn't respond very well uh, to the disaster that was the earthquake. Um, so, you know, it's it's a very interesting election that's yeah. coming up. One of the opposition figures has actually um, resigned so that his votes, I mean, he didn't have, he wasn't expected to get a huge amount of votes, so his votes will go to this uh, man who is considered the Turkish Gandhi, I read this morning, <laughs> which I thought was a very nice uh, description. But that's um, wonderful tactical voting as well. Yes, exactly. So Kemal Kilic Dorulu, I hope I've, I've probably mispronounced him completely, but uh, he is the hot contender to add. Uh, Gun. I was reading a little bit of Erdogan's uh, early life, actually, because sometimes this happens around election time. You you learn a little more about the figure themselves. And I didn't realise he was such a footballer and he's a tall man, apparently. He always, that was his big uh, goal in life, wasn't it? Yeah, to become he wanted, a professional footballer. But his father was of a religious mindset and really wanted him to become an imam and he went to a religious school and wanted him to study religious studies. So he really took the, the route of his father, in fact. Yeah, it's it's, it's mm. super interesting, isn't it? And also, of course, with with the situation in the Middle East and the war in Ukraine, you know, Turkey is such a pivotal country for, for the West. Mm. So, um, yes, watch this space. We will um, be talking about that more and more, I'm I think sure. we'll we'll dis- probably discuss the outcome next, next week. Yeah. Now, Europe Day was this week. It was the 9th of May in Luxembourg. It's a holiday. I didn't realise 
Luxembourg is the only country in Europe to market as a holiday. But I did have to go to Brussels for a meeting with some people from the Netherlands as well. And I kept saying, are you sure you're working on the 9th? <laughs> because we're not, apparently. Um, yeah. But yeah, and you so went, it was the first, yeah. but it was the first time it's been a public holiday. So yeah. I think the uh, EU institutions have had it off as a holiday. True. Um, and But it was the first time it was a public holiday But here. ESA didn't, I know. <laughs> the oh. European Space Agency didn't have it. Oh, did way. they not? No. How interesting. Mm. Well, um, there is a, it is also public holiday in Croatia, so um, but that's nothing to do with Europe Day actually. Um, but it was it was a shame because it was such bad weather. I know the weather shouldn't affect. It does, things, of course, it affects the day. The off. weather on Tuesday was a shocker. So um, we were all quite excited because we wanted to go to the um, gathering here on Place de l'Europe in Kirchberg and hear Bettel speaking and see the Grand Duke and all the uh, EU institutions had their tents and you could go and visit the courts of justice. And I mean, it didn't just rain. It really, it was, it was coronation really, weather. Oh my word! It was quite, quite something. But you were there. I was there, and I got really, really, really properly wet. And it, but it did make me laugh because something about VIPs in rain, which is quite entertaining, because they all have these see-through umbrellas and are trying to gut shield themselves. Some are really practical, you know, wearing their coats. Mr. Bettle, one of them, but others just, you know, they're in their suits, getting a bit chilly and cold. So I have to mm. say the Grand Duke didn't do his rounds and uh, rather disappointingly sort of went off as soon as the speeches were finished. Mm. Um, and uh, But I was impressed by some of the speeches. You know, obviously, being Luxembourg, they were in all languages and, you know, the audience is, is, is super international as well. Um, so it was quite jolly. And, yeah, the and they've got new gardens to, oh, to yes, mention. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, so the Courts of Justice have opened a new park, which are these uh, new gardens, which I have to say I didn't see <laughs> because of the rain. Um, and the only thing that really made me laugh is they, um, again, these the... the were many politicians there and the Grand Duke and they made this enormous cake in the shape of I, Europe. Did you see that? That, I th- that was the most memorable part of this news story for me, the cake. And I thought about who bakes these things with all the flags on it? With all the flags? Well, it was a... It was a, a a very well-known patisserie here in Luxembourg. and um, But what made me laugh is, obviously, they were under a tent and protecting the te- the, the cake, cake and, <laughs> and the uh, politicians and the Duke who were cutting it up. But everybody else standing around was just getting... I mean, they're dr- dripping wet and it did feel like, you know, the commoners in the rain and being oh. handed cake. It had, I had a little Marie Antoinette moment, so I was, <laughs> <laughs> so I was quite miserable. But, it, but the cake was impressive. The cake was Picture very, the impressive cake very impressive and, and very tasty. Good, good to hear. Now, a completely different story and one that I always feel guilty about when I give him airtime, but it's been in the news, so we have to talk about it. But it's the woman in this case that I think is really impressive. I'll start with her, E. Jean Carroll. So it's about Trump. And he was found guilty. And this woman, she looks incredible. And she's apparently 79 or something like this. Yes, and it's taken her a long time. Yes. I mean, it's um, an awful story. A long time to go public. Yes. With, with these rape allegations. Yeah, only in 2019 did she feel that she could. And of course, it happened many, many years ago. But uh, her strength of mind, and she did, of course, it's destroyed a lot of her life. But Good for her. Yes, no, I, I felt that good for her. I mean, I, you know, she, he, he wasn't, he was cleared of rape. Uh, we, it has to be, it has to be said, you know, he, he was found guilty of um, sexual misconduct and also of defamation. Um, so, 
you know, but the extraordinary thing is uh, he also has to pay uh, five, five million dollars <laughs> in damages. And yet, you know, he went on CNN the next day. So within 24 hours and still called her a hoax and a liar. And, um, you know, he that in fact, this interview is also very interesting because it wasn't an interview. It was a town hall meeting that CNN allowed. And it's been very much criticised because it gave him a Air big time. platform to just, uh, you know, the audience were mainly Republican. And so there was very little uh, questioning of him. And he could just say, you know, say the election was still and all these these fake, informa- yes, fake that, that information was, that he's known for. Exactly. And that's what I was questioning af- afterwards with a character like him. How do you navigate the path of saying what he's doing without adding fuel to the fire? So it's a tricky one for a media to navigate correctly because you want to say what he's doing doing <laughs> but you don't want to give them the platform to lie it is very tricky and when you look at something like uh, cnn you know they they were banned from white house briefings when trump was president so this was obviously the only way they could get him in is to make a town hall meeting rather than a critical interview and yet as you say it's given him this enormous platform and you know he's still the favorite republican candidate mm. even after this court case it's shocking i mean another part of this debate that will continue to rise probably uh, re-election year next year for uh, the states, America. Uh, Biden is now 80. Trump is 76. So yes, you do feel, you know, make, why is there no space for a younger generation? And where where job, are the new generation the of, energy. of politicians? That job requires so much of a person's life. I mean, many people say it's a job that ages you. So you need to be really strong and fit and healthy to go in there. You know, everything, you know, alive, your body, your brain, everything needs to be on fire for that role. One would hope. One would hope. But I suppose when you look at President Biden, he, you know, the election video that he made, he very much had Vice President Kamala Harris with him alongside. You know, he's very much playing the, you know, we're a team. There's There's a younger woman yeah, but she's not as present as perhaps she should be. We haven't seen so much of her. I agree. Didn't feel like she was terribly present in this last mm. uh, legislation. But may- maybe I-, I think that the hint is more that she will be more in- yeah. involved uh, in in big policy making in the next. She's been election. Given some should very they should the Democrats roles. get back in? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving back to the EU, European Parliament uh, voting on curbs for Chat GPT and other AI. Yes, so this is we. I know we speak about ChatGPT and AI quite a lot. It's a bit like Trump; it keeps coming back, <laughs> doesn't it? But the EU on uh, so the European Parliament, sorry, on on two, on Thursday, um, did a crucial vote, crucial vote on um, curbing AI. They they don't want to ban it like some countries, or have a moratorium like has also been suggested, uh, you know, by by many politicians and Elon Musk, actually, weirdly. Um, but they they do want to make curbs and be at the forefront of how we can live using AI. Um, so I, I, I thought some of their suggestions were very intelligent. I mean, they're, they're, for example, they do want to have provisions for AI uh, recognising emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to prevent scraping of photographs. Um, they want users to be notified when they're in contact with artificial intelligence so that if you're speaking or chatting or, you know, yeah. using something, that you get a notification that you you know what you're doing. That's interesting because I, I was with Lyra, my daughter, yesterday and we were just waiting and she was just playing a game on her phone and, and I said, are you playing against somebody? And she said, well... 
either somebody or a bot. I don't know which. So that was curious, in fact. She didn't actually know if she was playing yeah. <laughs> something automatic or a real person. Well, I'm sure if you're, uh, you're doing online chess or online bridge or yeah. I don't know, whatever games, you yeah. presumably are always up against a bot, aren't yeah, you? So I suppose, the, you know, people... But if people are aware, I think then, then it's kind of a fair contest, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Well, we will talk much more about ChatGPT because I do have two shows coming up in the near oh, future okay. where we will talk about... Well, the European Chat Parliament G is set to vote on, on these ideas uh, in June. So. Mm -hmm. oh, well, that's very good. I will bring that up on the uh, on the shows because one will be, for, be before that uh, legislation and one will be afterwards. So we, right. can, we can talk before and after. That's perfect. Now, your vision. <laughs> now, we're, we're recording this on the Friday. So obviously it'll go out on Saturday tomorrow and then it will be repeated during the week so we don't know who the winners are so we're, we're recording this without any idea no idea at all have you followed any of the uh, contestants at all have Actually, you seen anyone no I'm really bad I'm so <laughs> no, sorry no, no. Uh, it's only because we talk about it a lot on the radio that, uh, especially this week um, you know we've been requesting uh, different uh, singers and um, different countries so the favourites seem to be Sweden, Sweden. Um, and uh, Lorene seems to be uh, she's got an amazing video it does seem very slick and she's got very 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 long nails um, <laughs> but you know Eurovision's a bit of fun for everybody yeah. isn't it and um, you know it I don't know how much tactical voting still goes on. But a lot. It's, it's taking place in Liverpool this year. And obviously Ukraine won it last year. And um, so the, uh, but they can't obviously hold it. So that's why the runner up was Sam Ryder last year. And it's being held in Liverpool. And um, the, we're getting a lot of coverage on RTL. There's a secret uh, correspondent in Liverpool for RTL called Eurovision Jan. Oh, who, um, is, is <laughs> Eurovision Jan. <laughs> yes, who's very close to many of the acts and sends very very funny videos and interviews. And yeah, it'll be fun. The two semi-finals have taken place. And um, do you know what I love? It's the EasyJet. If anybody's flying on EasyJet, oh, did you like that? It's I good, love isn't it? that. So EasyJet said, if you are flying into Liverpool, their crews will uh, be in. Eurovision costumes and not their uniforms this week. I, I bet I they thought loved that. <laughs> and so, there's a few opportunities in Luxembourg to watch it as well. Yeah. Uh, you can, I mean, if you're not watching it at home or with friends, you, there are a few bars. Uh, you can see that on RTL Today where you could watch it on a big screen. I have a friend coming over. Um, she, she's actually weirdly on her way to Azerbaijan but she's stopping off All right. in Frankfurt so I'll, I'll, I'll take her over to Luxembourg for the weekend and um, <laughs> I don't know if she knows anything about Eurovision but I'll see what an American thinks I might try and take her somewhere on Saturday night. Now final story the census in Luxembourg which is really interesting. Isn't it good? I mean, it's it's so interesting. I mean, as we, we all know, that uh, foreigners make up a huge percentage of uh, Luxembourg's population. So this was the uh, census uh, from 2021. And, um, you know, what is it? Over 300,000 foreigners are living in the Grand Duchy. So I, I didn't realise that, that it was that, that actually the number was this high in 2021. Yeah, so it's 47% of the population, almost half. Yes, yeah, so really almost half. And it's a huge increase from 2011, where the figure was only, uh, you know, was much, much lower. I can't remember the exact uh, 38 numbers. Ah, there yeah. you go. And also we have 180 different nationalities and the 
number of people from Germany has uh, decreased, whereas the number from Romania are overly represented. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't. That sounds awful. Overly represented, but there are more people coming from Romania. It's increased. <laughs> yes, three hundred percent, and they are actually one percent of the total share of Luxembourg's population. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then the fact that most uh, that foreigners, on average, are younger than your average Luxembourger, which is again <laughs> funny. I mean, statistics are funny, aren't they? But, but that's people. It shows that people coming here for work. Yeah, people are here for work. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So and then they retire, perhaps back home or wherever they came yes, from. Yes, yes. So that that's makes your statistics kind of change slightly. Skewed. But uh, you know, it's an interesting country, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it must be a, a funny place to live where half the population are outsiders. Well, we can turn to yes, now. To, thank yes. you so much, Sasha. Thank you as always, and do chip in with our conversation I will. here. Pleasure with Serge Linkles and also Jennifer, who are from digital learning hub um, and we've already had a few digital stories so Serge I'm going to start with you I mean first of all do reply to Sasha's question about what does it feel like to be a Luxembourger with so many of us around well that's a good question for me it's uh, what we are as uh, people in Luxembourg we are used to have a lot of different cultures countries um, languages all around us and this is uh, the quality of life in Luxembourg so it's it's what we are mm-hmm. and Jenna you're uh, a, a beautiful young lady and Luxembourgish as well, I believe. Um, So for you and in your cohort of friends with so many other nationalities living in your country, uh, making it our home, and we've all seen the cost of living rise, the cost of housing rise. How is that for you as a young person? Um, It's difficult, but it's cool to have so many nationalities around you. You learn a a lot and all the different cultures, they just improve your own quality of life. But of course, the cost of living is increasing and it doesn't stop. Yeah. It seems like it would never stop. So it is a concern for young people. definitely. Yeah. And, and older people, I can add. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> yes, yes. So, sir, I mean, we're going to start now with Digital Learning Hub. This is almost one year in the making. I believe May the 16th is the one year anniversary. So congratulations for that already. How did it all begin? Well, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quite a ride because already the idea started in March 2019, uh, so a couple of years ago, when uh, we sat together with the minister, uh, Claude Maich. And of course, we have here the challenge in Luxembourg that we are lacking of IT specialists. Luxembourg would like to become an IT nation, but we have not enough uh, computer scientists here. So the, the challenge is, was how can we create new uh, IT people and the 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 solution cannot be just at another school we have a lot of ICT trainings already in Luxembourg we have the University of Luxembourg all together provide around uh, 300 dipl- uh, diplomas uh, in computer science in Luxembourg every year this is in in, in no um, rank compared to the 5000 open jobs at Adam so we need to create more ICT specialists and the idea was, what about designing a new kind of uh, school here in Luxembourg, a training facility that allows merely everybody to reskill into IT? And then the idea of the Digital Learning Hub was born, and it took us a couple of years uh, now to, to put it in place. And last year, like you mentioned, May 16, uh, the, the adventure really started. And 
I want to just go back because you mentioned Adam and this is very, very important to the whole philosophy behind it. You didn't just think we need these skills. You thought very hard about what skills are needed. Uh, we should explain what Adam is as well to our listeners, in fact. Yeah, actually, uh, the, the Adam is the agency of uh, the labor market in Luxembourg and uh, they have uh, a catalogue of all uh, open jobs in Luxembourg. And uh, in 2022, so last year, 5,400 uh, jobs were declared in ICT open here in Luxembourg. So that's a lot. What percentage of the jobs open was that? Do you happen to know? Um, it's it's close to a quarter of all the jobs in Luxembourg are in the field of ICT. And this is really shows how important ICT is uh, for Luxembourg. Actually, there is an increase of 31% compared to the year before and even 46% compared to the year again before. So we, lead, we need more and more ICT specialists in Luxembourg. And are those roles now being filled by people from outside? Some of this population that uh, is on that census that Sasha just spoke about, is that how it's normally been filled from foreigners effectively coming in? Actually, that's true. We have a lot of open jobs. We have not enough people living here in Luxembourg. And so we, of course, we need the people here of the greater region. And even there are big companies that are here in Luxembourg that recruit worldwide. They attract people here to Luxembourg. And as Jenna mentioned, the challenge is always a housing uh, to keep these people here. We can attract talents. Uh, we even have a lot of talents that remain here in Luxembourg. But youngsters, of course, after a couple of years uh, living here in Luxembourg, having a great job having added something to their resume, they leave the country for maybe another adventure. So the challenge is really to get also people from the greater region coming to work here in Luxembourg and train them, of course. And so you have this wonderful research working in cooperation with Adam, but you didn't stop there. ICT is a huge area. The skills required are, are very diverse and very specific at the same time. You also went to companies and you found out within the companies precisely what was required. So talk us through that mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's uh, what we did. We tried to learn what are actually the skills that are required by the, by the companies uh, living, uh, working here. We have the catalogue of the Adam. That's one thing. The other one is we, we got on the field uh, and we met like 150 companies in Luxembourg over the last year. We spoke to them. We learned what they need in terms of skill settings, in terms of profiles. And we try to answer this question uh, by creating the trainings the, that are needed to get a job at, at such companies. So And the feedback what we got now over the last year was that it really works. We have uh, trained now a lot of people already and uh, some of them even got a job. So tell us about what skills are required in the job market. Well, it is very broad. So you cannot say that there's one skill that everybody needs to have. It always depends on uh, the job, on the person, the goals. But um, yeah, I think in the, the, the jobs that are declared at uh, Adam, there's a very big proportion of software engineering which is one of the most popular uh, jobs that are now registered with uh, Adam. Everything related to coding um, is really, really high in demand. Uh, but there are also no ch new chances for companies like blockchain. Cybersecurity is also very high in demand. And it's one of the the real um, focal points yeah. for Luxembourg. In fact, I know that they have a section mm -hmm. on this in uh, the university, for example. Yeah. So tell us then where you're based and some of the courses that are now set up and on offer. Well, we are based in Ashbelval, next to the University of Luxembourg. 
Um, we have different types of training, actually. We have short trainings, which range from beginner to um, advanced, and they take up to 20 hours. Then we have like medium-length uh, trainings, which we call learning tracks. It's a, it's a series of um, course modules, and they take up to 100 hours, and they can serve you as a preparation for a job, like, for example, web developer or um, data scientists or um, different kind of, of jobs. And additionally, we have also 42 Luxembourg, which is a franchise of the 42 um, school in, in France. And this is a full-time coding school, full curriculum. It is um, a bit alternative because it's peer-to-peer -peer and project-based. So there are no teachers, no courses, just... Uh, I know you and your colleagues. <laughs> I remember Minister Meisch, Claude Meisch, talking about this. He's very, very keen on the idea of this school. Tell us a little bit about the school and its history and why it's a success. Well, we are currently in the process of recruiting. Uh, we know that from France um, that uh, most people that finish the school, the curriculum, will get a job or they even have a job before they even finish. Um, The concept is different because, as I already said, there are no courses, no training. Um, so you just come there, you work with your colleagues on projects, uh, you complete a project and then you level up. It's really based on gamification and that's what makes the people stick to, to the school. And that's also what makes them complete the whole track. And it might be also inspiring for them to think about it as pro rather than this open-ended, never-ending kind of succession, like a huge mountain to climb. They can think project and they have a defined date where that, that's finished and then it's another yes. project. And it gives them many focal points of success, one success, then another success. Perhaps that's a, a nice thing to have in mind as well. But the peer-to-peer -peer learning is, is very interesting, particularly when it comes to ICT skills, because uh, I can imagine some older people myself included. Uh, I, I'm not a coder, but we were talking about what languages people speak before we, we started this recording. And in fact, you said, Serge, that you are a coder, very much a coder, and you have many other languages. Yeah, when I was young, uh, I, my, my dream job was become a coder. Um, and so I actually, I studied computer science, so I learned all some of, of these computing languages. And today when I asked my people, yeah, you as a Luxembourger, you speak four languages. And I said, yes. And in addition to that, I also speak some languages like Java, PHP and all that stuff. And yeah. And they so, look at you strangely. Thinking yeah, <laughs> some of them. Some of them uh, understand the joke. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of coding languages and some of them are more in vogue today, like all the JavaScript languages and so forth. And that's exactly what we try uh, to hit at the Digital Learning Hub to be in vogue, to do exactly the trainings that are required today. And that's also a thing. Uh, we are targeting also uh, computer scientists who, are, who have, for example, the age I have. So I learned some computer languages at, at the university that are no longer used today. These are legacy uh, technologies and we try to upskill these people uh, to make them follow the digital transformation as well. And I can imagine when you were visiting, I think it was about 150 companies, in fact, you did a lot of uh, research about what uh, people need. You were not just visiting maybe tech-focused fo companies because every company, in fact, needs these digital skills. So talk us through some of the companies that you did visit. Actually, if you want, you can split the companies into two groups. One are really the, let's call it the real tech companies who do really uh, specialized stuff and they need very specialized uh, trainings uh, just to 
to, to give you some buzzwords. It's about blockchain. It's about uh, secure programming. It's about penetration testing and cybersecurity and so forth. This is really high specialized uh, uh, topics. And then the other group of companies, and these are really amazing how many companies in Luxembourg are absolutely aware of this need of having some IT expert in their company, although they are not a tech company. And they talk about awareness. We have 60 people working at our company and we would like uh, to, to raise awareness on cybersecurity. So we need an introduction course about phishing, about not to use a USB stick you find on a parking spot and put it into your computer, all that basic stuff. We have a lot of success with basic introduction to programming classes. Actually, 44% of all the people coming to our trainings are ladies. So IT is no longer a field a male uh, field and so this is just a great change over the last years so we have this less techy trainings compared to the very high specialized IT companies. That's really good to know and of course you're mentioning these buzzwords but these are buzzwords that yes of course you need the the <laughs> IT experts within those fields who know how to literally program <laughs> what is required for the company. But there are also words that anybody working within many companies need to understand. May it be a law firm or a medical firm, whatever. These are things that will be used in-house and people need to have at least a, a fundamental understanding of what they actually mean without being scared off by the word. Now, Sasha also mentioned in the news uh, ChatGPT mm. and AI, etc. I'm quite sure you have, a, I don't know if you have training on this, but you probably have to talk about it. Oh, yes, we have a training. We just uh, published it yesterday and it was a huge success. We already have like many inscriptions. So we see that there's really a demand and we are thinking about doing more of these courses because it's what people want and need. Yeah, they need to understand it. So what is the training that you have just launched? It's about mastering ChatGPT, just uh, telling the people how to use it, what it can do, what it can't do, um, talking about the... Uh, uh, the advantages, but also the disadvantages, really just an introduction to um, using ChatGPT. I, I have a, a different sort of side of the question now. Who is teaching these courses? Uh, we have uh, the opportunity, the privilege to ask the best companies in every field to train our people. So uh, Jenna just mentioned AI. We have a lot of different AI trainings, data science trainings. So if we identify such a demand, say in ChatGDP, we can really pick, a, do a cherry picking and pick a company that really masters the domain, has great teaching experience, and we can just ask them to do the training uh, at our facilities. We have roughly a hundred different service providers for the 150 trainings we offer. So you have an absolute direct link to the company need as well and people then also get the chance to network a little bit and perhaps it leads to further jobs because you said already some people have got jobs from your training courses. Exactly, that these are some kind of success stories. We have a, a lot of people that have already been trained at the Digital Learning Hub to reconvert into IT, to upskill, to, to increase the profile in IT. And uh, we also have a lot of people that uh, seek a new job or a job at all. And uh, we have success stories that even uh, people were hired in the classroom because the Digital Learning Hub, the last word hub is was very important. We would like to become a kind of platform where people meet, experts meet, to exchange, to peer learn, but also where employers can meet potential employees and, and this is this is just wonderful to, to help these this people. That's absolutely fantastic. It sounds like you've really engendered a wonderful atmosphere in the hub. What does it feel like there? Because I know you've seen this as well, Jenna, from the <laughs> beginning. Uh, well, it's, 
It is. There are a lot of computers. You just <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of uh, coming into a classroom and seeing all the computers because it is really for everybody. Even if you're completely new, um, you just go in, you learn something, you talk to others. It is a really good atmosphere. There is. Um, it fosters like education, and you don't have to be afraid to make mistakes, to ask questions. So I think it's it is a really good place to to learn something new. And talk us through a little bit of the the logistics then. So we know that it's in Eshbelval. How big are the class sizes? Mm, it depends. Mostly the classes are for like up to 12 to 20 people because like that it can be still a class and it's just like a big uh, auditorium yeah, of people you're trying exactly. to teach at once. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 12 to 20 people mostly. There are some bigger classrooms but uh, we yeah. try to keep it uh, in small groups. And then also a question is, how much does it cost? Mm, it depends. <laughs> the courses are in general very affordable. Um, but for example, if you're a student or you're registered with the ADAM or you're a civil servant or a public employee, it is even free of charge. So it is open for everybody. Yeah. And then for other people, you've made it very affordable. Yeah. So, and, and where can people find you? Website? Is that the best way to find you? Yes. The best word, uh, way is our website. It's dlh.lu. And yeah, there you can find all our trainings and we will publish a lot more in the further uh, month. So yeah. just keep on looking. <laughs> so, so of all the courses that you provide, which have been the most popular and the most high in demand? Um, I would, without a doubt, say uh, the coding classes, because uh, like Jenna mentioned it before, coding is uh, is like half of all the open jobs uh, here in Luxembourg are in the broader field of software engineering. So coding classes uh, are very um, have a big success. We also have big successes with everything uh, human-centered, so really less techy, like design thinking or user experience classes. So everything about... Uh, um, creating new product, being more creative, uh, and and so forth. This this was quite uh, impressive for me, uh, and I didn't think that these classes would have such so many success. But we 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 are dared to put them on the catalog, and it works. So we have uh, very specialized classes where there's a very reduced number of people who nearly read to have to to learn this skill. But the broader uh, classes are coding and people-related trainings. And we should also add that um, this is for young adults upwards from about 19 years upwards, is that correct? 18. 18. 18, 18, 18 yeah. upwards. Okay, so it's not for school, but I know that you've been involved in that too, Serge. We'll come back to that. I wanted to just ask you, what is design thinking? What does that mean? Oh, I should have brought uh, my specialist of design thinking. He could fill the whole show just explaining <laughs> you what it is all it about. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. I love the title. Design it's, it's thinking. Just <laughs> great. It's great. It's about people who, who come together, heterogeneous groups of people. So you have IT people, you have maybe a, a carpenter, you have maybe a gardener, you have maybe, I don't know, uh, different specialities who come together and who think about a challenge. Um, and uh, they come up with crazy ideas. And compared to other methods of designing something where you think a lot about it and eventually come up with a final product, design thinking is more an iterative process where you quickly draw on the flip chart some crazy ideas, design a prototype and then destroy the prototype because it doesn't work. And then you redesign and improve it and so forth. So it's a really iterative uh, method with heterogeneous people who pitch ideas, who build something, who destroy it. So it's really 
a lot of fun. You can do it at the, design, at the Digital Learning Hub. And eventually, they come up with an idea which really holds, which really stands for something. That's really amazing. God, that sounds like a course I'd quite like to join. <laughs> it sounds fun, doesn't it? And can I also ask, is, is, are some of your courses aimed at like beginners? So say you leave school, you have never done, been interested in ICT at school or university, whatever. Are you thinking of anyone in particular, Sasha? No, I was just wondering <laughs> <just laughs> <pointing laughs> myself. Yeah. Or, or people who wanted to change yes. jobs. Yes. No, yeah. but you can come in as yes. a totally non-computer person. Of course, we have a lot of introduction courses in every category. We have introduction to cybersecurity, uh, introduction to, for example, JavaScript or Python, which are coding languages. Um, there are really courses for everybody. There's trainings for beginners, for intermediates, and for also for very advanced people. I actually, on the point of coding, I wanted to ask you, Sarah, you mentioned that back in the day when you were at university, this is something that changes a lot. And so even if you are a coder, you have to keep on top of the languages because they keep changing. So for somebody who might be starting off now or wants to upskill, what coding languages should they be learning? Hmm. I think when you learned one language in computer science, like Java or whatever, um, you can easily switch to another language because the, the principle of a computer, of a programming language, remains roughly the same. So um, today what's very in vogue is everything about JavaScript, JavaScript related and the uh, uh, frameworks of JavaScript like React that are used to build uh, smartphone applications. So uh, this would be a good start or Python. Both languages, uh, Python and JavaScript, I guess they are the top two languages after Java itself, which is a kind of legacy language. Yeah, so both would be a good starting point. And then I, I mean, I have to ask you the question, particularly because I know you, Serge, were involved <laughs> with younger people and helping them in various ways. We're talking about 18-year-olds upwards who can go on these training courses. Is there enough done at schools in Luxembourg to help them get to fill this quarter of the jobs here that require IT skills at this level? Well, I used to be a teacher for 22 years at, at the secondary school here in Luxembourg. So I, I guess I know a little bit uh, what we do here in Luxembourg. And I guess our offer is just great. We start at primary school with coding classes. We have at, at the first uh, three years of uh, the secondary school, we have now a new subject, digital sciences. Then after that, you can have, you can select one of the computer science trainings ranging from uh, DAP to technicians. Uh, we have have the new section I, the new computer science uh, section in the classical secondary schools. We have, I guess, like eight uh, BTS classes, which are kind of college level classes. We have two bachelors at the University of Luxembourg. We have like six masters in computer science. So our offer here in Luxembourg is just amazing what we have now, in computer science. Now, very a, recent. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think this digital for the classic system, it's just this year or last year it's been... Uh, Absolutely, it's brand new. Yes. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. brand new. So, but before that, I mean, my daughters are in school here. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be lacking a bit. And perhaps now there's a massive push. People have realised mm -hmm. this is a big problem. But do you think they're addressing it quick enough? Do you think enough effort is being put into this? I think in the formal education that you mentioned, we do a lot already because if you introduce a new subject like digital sciences, you have to take away some hours from another subject. And as you mentioned absolutely at the beginning of the show, we speak so many languages here. So we have to have a lot of hours dedicated to languages. We have the basic skills that we need to teach at the secondary level in the formal education. So I guess we do already a lot. And not to forget, we have everything what is non-formal training. We have, for instance, the Makerspace Initiative. Uh, nearly every high school has 
such a place where people after school uh, can go and have fun. We have a lot of uh, activities around uh, computer science stuff like the like be secure for instance and in the informal uh, part as well i guess we try to touch the parents and uh, help them to learn themselves something about chat gdp as it was mentioned so often i need to use the term <laughs> as well uh, so um, the parents also can help to in, to to to, to uh, ignite some kind of fire at the at, at the students yeah. yeah and actually since you've just mentioned the makerspace just for anyone in our audience welcome joseph <laughs> welcome come in come in we have our, our guests arriving they're very busy people they're just walking in after another come and join us come and join females here males here for microphones <laughs> sir sorry explain to us a little bit about the makerspace the makerspace this is an initiative that was uh, launched like six years ago and it was about uh, attracting youngsters to a computer science or let's say to tech in general, as you mentioned a couple of years ago, it was not so that every uh, girl was really interested or every uh, boy really wanted to become a coder. And to show them how much fun it can be, uh, such places were created where it's all about discovering technologies. You come in, there is no lazy uh, training, no lazy uh, school setting, but it's just about there is a 3D printer, you would like to use it, yes. Just go ahead. You don't break anything, but just have fun. And this different approach compared to a classical school setting, it was really a big success because right now we have so many uh, similar activities in every high school. I need to visit the makerspace Absolutely, because yes. <laughs> my dog has um, keeps opening doors and she can scratch doors with her, you know, claws quite large. <laughs> and I need one of those plastic coverings for around the door. So, she <laughs> so I'm putting in a request for some clever young mind to make me a little uh, something for my door to stop the dog scratching. Thank you both. Thank you, Jenna, so much. Uh, Jenna, any final words, you know, your, your takeaways from everything you've done one year in now? What are your, your favourite memories of the year so far? <laughs> Well, I am looking forward to the future. I think uh, it's more important than looking back. So, yeah, just visit our website and come to our trainings. Even if you're a beginner or intermediate, advanced, there's something for everybody. Thank you both so much. And we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes. Thank you, Thank you. Serge. Thank you, Jenna. Well, now I have to welcome these uh, the guests who've just flown in from somewhere else. <laughs> it's great to see you, uh, Joseph Rodesh, Mr. Science, as you're otherwise known as, and uh, Lea Marina, lovely to meet you as well. So you are from the André Loche Foundation and a partner of what we're going to talk about. So, Joseph, you're going to be in RTL quite a lot. Tell us, why are you here? So we uh, we launched a new show that's uh, called Takeoff Show. Perhaps you already heard uh, of it because we had uh, some uh, of our commercials uh, already on the radio. So uh, this is a show, a, a kind of talent show for for young people aged from fifteen to twenty one, and uh, you can imagine it like a cooking show, like Top Chef or, or Master Cook. Uh, but uh, we are not cooking, but we are doing uh, experiments and uh, so challenges. So it's uh, called a science challenge show, a very complicated word. And uh, and so we we give a challenge to the youngsters. They are in three teams and then they have to perform against each other. And there's one team winning, uh, others losing. So and uh, after every show, there's one of the 12 candidates who is, uh, has to leave the show. And uh, at the end, we will have a, a big winner. Or, a very uh, big prize as well. Yes, 10,000 euro. And uh, for the second place, 5,000. Yes. That's not yeah. nothing. But we have to say they must apply by... 
So we, uh, the casting is still open at uh, takeoffshow.lu and, um, and you can register until next week, uh, to the 21st of, uh, 21st of uh, May. Yes, yes, 21st of May. So then, then you will choose your, how many people will be chosen from the casting? Yes, uh, we have different rounds. Uh, so uh, in the beginning, we choose uh, like uh, 30 who will enter the, the first show, the, the film, uh, first film casting then. There will be 30 uh, that we select and there will be 12 in the show then. 12 in the show. And very importantly, as Serge and we've all mentioned it this morning, languages. What about the language situation? Because, you know, can anybody apply to this show? Yes. So uh, if you live in Luxembourg or if you have visited or if you visit a school in Luxembourg that's our condition so you mean if you go to a school in Luxembourg yeah yeah, yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, um, yes uh, so uh, speaking Luxembourgish is not mandatory so it is an advantage because there however it will be broadcast on uh, RTL Luxembourg also it will be a web show but it will also be broadcast uh, in Luxembourgish so um, it helps if you understand Luxembourgish but it's not mandatory so if you can speak English uh, basic English uh, to to communi- communicate with your with your friends or with your, uh, with your, the other, other candidates that's that's fine for us yeah. yeah, I've seen on the website already, you, you actually, of course, you, you accept all of the languages of Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, the teams that will be working together on some of the experiments, they will find a way, as, uh, as we all do, we find a way to communicate with one another. Yes, uh, that's uh, we want to show what Luxembourg is, and Luxembourg is not only the Luxembourgish people. Uh, we know that because <laughs> yeah. we've had census information, and we know that forty-seven, forty-eight percent is uh, from not Luxembourg. <laughs> yes, so and and uh, I think that's one of the strengths, and we want to celebrate this, and uh, so it is not easy to. Handle this because we have to produce a Luxembourg TV show with all these languages. But we we are subtitling a lot and and, uh, and languages that uh, yeah that are perhaps harder to understand. If you have uh, if we have for example yeah, so we think that uh, there might be younger children who also watch the show. So perhaps we have to uh, even dub uh, some of the English because English is not that common uh, when you are in a Luxembourg school. But so we are still. Uh, looking for a way but still we don't know the candidates so it's hard to uh, to see okay what's uh, what we have to do but we are open for everything it's absolutely fascinating you know there's a PhD in this somewhere because you're having to not just think about the structure of a TV show but you're having to think about how to uh, broadcast it for the audience and that's very difficult because you're not quite sure of the audience you're not quite sure of the contestants yet so (laughs) it'll be uh, it's very very challenging but very interesting too yes uh, but we have the advantage that the show already exists in Estonia. Okay, there they don't have all these language problems, but uh, so we have already a good partner and we have people with experience with this uh, particular show. So that helps us now, however, quite a lot. So yeah. the format is very strong, uh, very secure, and it's been uh, run in Estonia successfully. So uh, a yeah. great find. I know I've, I've watched one of those episodes, so it's really fun. Now, uh, Lea, Lea Marino, you are from the Andre Loche Foundation and you're partner of this show. So first of all, to our listeners, what is the Andre Loche Foundation? Okay, André Loche Foundation is a um, uh, philanthropic foundation is in Luxembourg, um, a shareholder foundation also that is um, dedicated to the young people in Luxembourg from zero to 30 years old. Um, so we support projects also like the Make It um, 
um, ISBL, for example, because you were talking just before about uh, makeup buzz, etc. So even if it's uh, so we support projects in several uh, themes. One of them is um, social inclusion for uh, um, it, social inclusion health, not to um, not to cure people, but to help them in the process. And um, the other one is education. And within education, we have three different subjects. One which is a sustainable development, citizenship, and um, and uh, sciences. So we are really. This is one of our. Uh, Main, uh, one of our core um, subjects today. And uh, so when, and in sciences, we want to show, yeah, to show to the young people that science is also fun and to also develop the critical uh, thinking of the youth. So... That's wonderful. As you're talking, I, I'm thinking about material science and I'm thinking about microphones. And to anybody uh, not watching but listening, that sound is your beautiful leather jacket. <laughs> Our microphones are picking up that wonderful leather jacket. <laughs> you didn't tell me before. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, I was wondering whether we're going to hear amazing bangs and things in the building. Are, are you building a studio here or are you going to film it somewhere else? No, it will be filmed in Belleval. Uh, so we have the, the Maison des Arts et des Etudiants. Uh, because we really need a very big studio. If you have uh, like uh, already 12 youngsters on the set, uh, you really need a studio that's bigger than the one we have uh, here. And that particular room has a very high ceiling. So if anything explodes upwards, it'll be okay. Yeah, just uh, that uh, it's not really uh, the idea room to make explosions. (laughs) No, but no room would be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, do the applicants need to have any knowledge of science? Uh, So let's say uh, you... It helps, uh, but um, <laughs> so we we are not looking for the science nerds. Uh, so that's that's really not the point. We looking for people who are um, in French you would say débrouillard, so who are um, resourceful, Cur- uh, and I curious. think, yeah, and curious, oh, yeah. and who can think a little bit out of the box. So. Um, if you if you're good in logical thinking and you you can even do this under stress, that then you might be a good candidate uh, for for this show. I yeah, think. because you'll be recording it live or as live. I imagine you can't go backwards in an experiment. No, so it is <laughs> recorded as live, but it is not live. So we produce it in uh, in August or uh, at the end of August, and that's perhaps uh, important that's to know. That's a very important point that's because these are young people and families might be booking holidays. So any potential of these twelve. Let's just hold on the dates. Yeah, so uh, if you if you are already on vacation at the end of August, so between the 18th and the 25th of August, then uh, yeah, then you have have to apply for the, the coming year because uh, there you need to be free because we have the shooting during that period. Yeah. Right. Well, that's very important <laughs> for everybody to know. So middle to end of August, try to be free. But uh, good luck to everybody who's participating. Are there any um, when it comes to the experiments that you're doing? Are there any kind of uh, tips and tricks that people should think about? I know you won't give away any any clues. I, I can perhaps give an example of, of a, yeah. such a challenge uh, task. So um, one very uh, known example is the egg drop challenge. I don't know if you know this one. This is you have a, um, an egg, uh, a raw egg. Yeah. And uh, so the the thing is you have to drop it from uh, from ten meters, and it shouldn't break when 
when it uh, lands. So then, and then we say to the contestants, you have 20 minutes, and they get a bunch of materials, and then they have to construct something around the egg or uh, something like a parachute or uh, something that uh, that helps the egg not to break. And uh, so, and then, uh, so they have this 20 minutes to build something, and after the 20 minutes, we have the competition where where you you see if the egg breaks or not. So, and these challenges, they are now these kind of challenges, they are now very uh, popular. So I I read just today about um, the another challenge uh, the, from the Luxembourg Space Agency who have a water rocket challenge where you have to build a water ro rocket that uh, can ma make uh, 70 meters. And so uh, I see also from, from Make It uh, Association, they have a challenge where you have to build a marble uh, run. Marble run. So, <laughs> so these challenges are really now very popular and we want to really to have them big and bring them on TV and and also show that you that the how interesting they are and and then we have also we, we take them back however to a level where you can repeat them in school so we have also a whole pedagogic concept around it so uh, some of the the challenges they can be made with very simple uh, elements you get from from a supermarket and uh, then you can do them with uh, pupils at school or even at home. So oh, this is wonderful. You. And we should say, of course, this is really an idea coming from FNR, which is the... Fun so we uh, we got this idea because my boss was talking about... Uh, ed, um, was talking to the Estonian Research Fund, uh, head of the Research Fund, and then uh, they, uh, yeah, they spoke about their, their Rocket 69 project. And here in Luxembourg, and then we, uh, so we had this idea, and then we were looking for partners, and we found an André Loche Foundation, uh, who we, and we are doing this now to, together because. One, it's a very big project. I think uh, from TV production-wise, it's the biggest that has ever been produced here in Luxembourg. So uh, then uh, for these projects, you need strong partners. So, and that's <laughs> why I'm very happy. <laughs> and you need a lot of energy, which we know that you do have. Actually, one thing that's really interesting about what you've just said is you've said that these experiments are becoming very popular. And of course, we've seen them on social media. But it reminds me of what you were saying, Jenna and Serge as well, that the, uh, is it uh, Level 42 or the, the school, the French school? Um, is it that's what it's called level 42 42, 42 Luxembourg sorry I knew there was 42 in there somewhere uh, so it's about the projects it's peer-to-peer -peer learning and project by project and, and that's how people kind of really enjoy learning in a different way so mm -hmm. th that seems to be very valuable yeah, so we, uh, when we talk about pedagogic of the show, it's um, a 4C model. I think that's something that, uh, that's used in different uh, uh, strategies. Now, 4C is that you have to, these are the competences you need uh, uh, in a modern world where you have artificial intelligence, for example. Oh, that's uh, a, another time. <laughs> we go. You, you've just, well, we've had it quite a lot this morning. There uh, we go okay. again. <laughs> yeah, so w what are the characteristics that that, uh, that are uh, proper to humans and uh, yeah, I, you, you might discuss this, but uh, this is uh, on the one hand uh, collaboration, communication, but also uh, uh, then creativity and critical critical thinking, and this is really the, this, these uh, competences that are uh, yeah uh, that are challenged in this show. That, that's really yeah. interesting. It was collaboration, communication, critical thinking, and. Uh, 
How did you have communication? Yeah, collaboration, uh, communication, critical thinking, and, and creativity. Creativity, yes, yes, yes of yeah. course. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I, I'm going to have to write that somewhere in my house. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> remind myself. But that's true because we need all of those skills on a day-to-day -day level. And uh, yeah, curiosity uh, kind of wraps them all up. And we, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Any thank other you. points you'd like to give to would-be applicants? Just, uh, just go to takeoffshow.lu, I think, and uh, and uh, don't be afraid. So uh, I think we are, we are really hand so this is not a show where you um, where you get where we push you down, but we we hope to rise you up. So we we valorize people, and it's not to to criticize people. So uh, if you if you think that that you might be good in solving challenges, then apply and come to the casting. That's super. Thank you. So much, Joseph. And just for you, I mean, we've got these dates now. Will you have any holiday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just going before. So we just discussed before. So uh, yeah, this will work out. This I have a big team. So a lot of, not only Leah and uh, myself, but we have a lot of uh, agency who are working very hard on this project. So yeah, I think we, I can manage to have all holidays myself. Too. Serge, I know that you're a teacher yourself. Uh, have you any thoughts on this this competition and, and how does it link the idea and the pedagogy behind it with, with what you've constructed for DHL? It's, it's just an absolutely great idea. As you mentioned, I was a teacher, so the, the challenge of a teacher is always to edutain the kids to educate and to entertain so both together make some kind of explosion like uh, Joseph just mentioned so it's maybe not about explosions but it's about doing something practical have fun that's really important in today modern school so I guess this this project is just amazing and, and, and I hope you will have a lot of success. Oh, that's really nice to hear. And Jenna, as well, you've been listening to it. And how do the trainings that you do, are you going to kind of rethink some of the training structures you have to, to add a little bit of the competition edge in it? Well, maybe. It depends how uh, the participants will uh, yeah, yeah. accept it. Yeah. But we know that they're, they, they prefer interaction. They like to work together to talk about their own projects, to uh, even meet after our classes. So I think there are some similarities between both projects. And Leah, you mentioned that education is one of the top pillars for the Entre Loche Foundation. So can you give us some other examples of where you do donate to projects that you really, truly believe in will change things? Um, I think we have several projects um, regarding education. What we, yeah, what we, be, we, we, we are working in as, um, yeah, in complementarity to other actors. So we have, I, I mentioned just before, the Make It As Bell and Joseph also, which is, it's, um, we also work with the Luxembourg um, Tech School. And I think they have really great uh, programs for kids, but that's more about programming, coding. And um, that will be the, the club you joined one, before yeah. DHL. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is one of the greatest, yeah, and a great partnership also we have. Just right at the foundation, what we promote is something just, just to be ahead a bit of what's going on in um, formal education and promote different way to do things. And yeah. So. And then my final question to you all, will you be watching Eurovision this Saturday? <laughs> I even didn't know that. <laughs> well, I was just wondering, since we've mentioned AI a few times, do you think there'll ever be an AI song on wow. Eurovision? I, I'm practically sure that uh, that uh, they are all 
um, supported by AI. So it's not uh, that that you you make AI write a whole song, but there might be part of the text or help with uh, in the production. There there are AI programs that that help you produce a better song. So I I think that they use all the techniques that that they are now on the market to to produce the best song. So AI, AI will uh, probably be among these techniques, but it will not be an AI song where you have an AI, AI performance. I, I'm, I'm not sure. So I, as I, I said, I, I didn't uh, know that they would. Uh, <laughs> this weekend, so you know your vision for you. But the AI part of music, oh my goodness, I didn't think we were going to go down this route. But well, Sarah, since it's your vision, yeah, we absolutely. need to talk about this. Uh, this is my, my, my topic because I did a lot of research in AI. So I didn't um, know. <laughs> Um, uh, maybe before speaking about uh, music, uh, you know, there is the RoboCup football um, competition where robots play football one against the other. And I have seen that. In yeah. the 19th, uh, 90s, when, when it was invented, uh, it was just some machines that randomly uh, drove around. And today it's really amazing what they can do with some AI hype, hype word, buzzword inside. And the, the creator, it's a Japanese gentleman uh, who, um, who invented this RoboCup set in 20 by 2050 the robot team will win against the soccer world cup winner oh my god and i would say today um with with a kind of 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 of, of laughing uh, maybe by 2050 a robot will win the eurovision song contest wow <laughs> <laughs> well what a final thought to end on there we go so we have to kind of enjoy that one of those four c's that you mentioned the creativity and the communication this weekend although perhaps it just if you'll be watching something else or preparing for your show so thank you all so much for being guests today thank you all for watching for listening and Sasha also with you thank I'll you. see you again next week have a great weekend and a week ahead mm-hmm.